0: Well, maybe you're facing a big decision in your life right now, and you don't know what to do. You, know, you don't know who to date, you know, should I move in with her, should I marry him, what school should I go to, should I move to this city, should I take that job, and you're just so confused right now, but God is the God of open doors, and God wants to make his will known to us, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, welcome to the Crossing. So glad that you are with us today. If you are new around here, we are one church that meets in multiple locations, which is why we greet those who are meeting throughout the city and across the country. So let's go ahead and do that right now. Let's give a big welcome to our Southeast campus. Those who are watching online, our microsites, glad that you're part of the Crossing family in this and on this journey with us. Well, today is our 17th anniversary as a church. That's pretty cool, huh? I don't know if you remember where you were in the year 2000, but the year began with the Y2K scare. Remember, we thought the computers were going to shut down our society, and it ended with hanging chads. The presidential election was so close that it took us five weeks to finally figure out who was going to be the next president. And in the middle of those two things... On September 24th, 2000, there was a few hundred people who came into a junior high school cafeteria, came for the first service of this brand new church, and the crossing began. And we're so excited about what God has done at this place. We actually had some film footage taken on that first Sunday that we had not been able to locate for 17 years, but we found it this year, and so I thought it'd be fun just to show you just a little clip of the welcome on that very first Sunday. And this is what the crossing is for, for the people who aren't here yet. And, uh, and we want to experience God here, and we want God to do it again here. And maybe there's a neighbor, and maybe there's a husband or wife that's sitting at home today that you wanted to be here. And our commitment to you is to make this kind of the kind of church where someday they'll call this place home too. Well, obviously, being a senior pastor, you age in dog gears because I looked really young back then. Here's what I love: is, is you have found a place that you call home. And that was our prayer from the very beginning that thousands of people would call this place home. But I think. The number that represents the greatest impact is this number right here. It's 3,803. That's the number of people who have been baptized at the crossing since day one. And I can only imagine the lives that have been changed and the families that have been changed because of that impact. I was in the office on Friday and Claudia Woodhelm, who's on our staff, when I was going by her door, she said, Shane, I was number 182. And many of you have that kind of story. You have the story of, of when you came into this place and maybe it's the first time you came to God or you were coming back to God and you remember the life change that God began to birth in you and God has done so much in this church and changed so many lives and so I'm just grateful that we've been a part of that. And these days... These days, we're no longer just in one location. We have the Southeast Campus. We have microsites that meet across the country. And in the past 17 years, the crossing has helped start dozens of churches around the country, and throughout the world, and it's because of God's faithfulness. It's just been these open doors. The crossing is the story of open doors, where God has just opened one door after another door after another door, and we've just kept walking through those doors, and God does the same thing in your life as well. And maybe you're at a door that just kind of seems stuck, and you don't know which direction to go. Well, God is the God of open doors. And last week, we talked about the foundational principle of God's will. It's this foundational principle right here is that God's will is more about the person you become than the door that you choose. God's will is more about who you are than what you do. And God's ultimate will for your life is that you would become like Jesus. And our theme verse comes out of Revelation chapter 3. And this is Jesus speaking to a church that's in Asia Minor in this period of time in the first century. He says to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, right? These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. This idea of the open door right here, this is the idea of a divine opportunity. That God is giving us a divine invitation to join him, to make your life Count To make our lives count. See, Jesus didn't say, I've set before you a hammock. You know, that's what some of us want. I just want to just, just to relax and take it easy. God says, I've set before you an open door where I want to take you on this journey of your life. That God is the God of open doors. And the Bible is full of stories, <coughs> excuse me, where people were given divine opportunities from God. But it was their response, either yes or no, that would shape their lives. And what I want you to begin to do in this series is I want you to begin to see, is God opening up a door in my life? Is God leading me in a direction where I need to begin to pay attention to me? Because if God has set before us an open door, then the ability to recognize an open door The ability to recognize God's will for your life is a skill that can be learned. So today, I want to give you four questions to ask as you're trying to determine God's will. That if you will begin to ask these four questions, you will be able to recognize these open doors better. To recognize God's will because God has a will for your life and he wants you to know it. Here's question number one. Does it line up with the Bible? Question number one is we're trying to discern God's will. Does it line up with the Bible? Because an open door will never contradict God's word. Never. That is never going to happen. God is not going to say one thing to you in the Bible and then say something else to you in your life. I had a guy a while back who came into my office, and he told me he felt like God was telling him to leave his wife and to go be with this other woman that he was having an affair with. I go, that's not God. I'll tell you right now, that's not God's will for your life. And then he went on to say, he goes, but God wants me to be happy. And I grabbed my Bible and I handed it to him. I go, could you show that to me in the Bible? Because it's not in there. You are not going to find it. I don't know whether it's God's will for you to be happy or not. It might be. But I know it's God's will for you to be holy. And when you live in holiness, you will find happiness. When you begin to base your life on what God has already told us, that is what begins to bring happiness into our life. And if you're trying to discern the will of God, the first place to start is the Bible. Because God's moral will for your life is already written down. There's a story in Matthew chapter 19 where some religious leaders approach Jesus, and they approach him to try to trap him and test him. And it says this, it says, some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Well, these are Pharisees that are coming, which means that they are the ones who teach on God's truth. And so they're not trying to learn from Jesus. They're trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to push him into a corner that will make him unpopular with one group or another group. See, there was a group of rabbis. There's two groups of rabbis. There was one group of rabbis that said you could divorce for any and every reason. So literally, if, if your wife and only a husband could divorce his wife, a wife could not do it the other way around. So if your wife burnt the toast, that was grounds for divorce. You're out. You know, one too many burnt toast, I'm divorcing you. Well, there was another group of rabbis that said that marriage is sacred, that God has brought a man and a woman together for a sacred union. And so Jesus quotes a scripture out of Genesis. And he says this He says, Haven't you read? Now, not only had they read this, they taught this. And not only had they taught this, they memorized this. Jesus says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female. And he goes on to quote the scripture in Genesis where it says, A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. And Jesus says, What God has joined together, let no one separate. Let no one separate. That, he says, Why are you asking my opinion when it's already written in the Bible? Every Sunday... When I'm out in the lobby, somebody will come up to me and they'll say, Shane, what is your opinion about, and they'll give me some scenario. And I'll go, well, I think the Cowboys are a terrible team. Yeah, that's my opinion right there. And the Chiefs are 2-0, so that's my opinion. No, No, they'll come out and they'll say, what's your opinion about this? And what I'll say is i say, here's what the Bible says about that. Here's what the Bible says about that because it doesn't matter what my opinion is if the Bible has already addressed this. See, there's certain things that are going on in our society that used to be called sin that are no longer called sin in our society. Well, I just point, this is what the Bible says. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It doesn't matter what somebody else's opinion is. This is what the Bible says because if the Bible speaks to what they're asking, I just point to God. Here's the way Jesus said this in Mark chapter 13. He says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That means the teachings of Jesus, the words of Jesus are just as relevant to your life today as they were 2,000 years ago. They don't change. He says, my words will never pass away. And here's what some people do. Some people will take the Bible out of context and try to make it say what they want it to say. They'll take one verse out of context and try to justify their behavior. People did this with slavery. People do this with racism. But what we do is we bring everything that God has to say about this together. We refer to this in theology as the whole counsel of God. We look at the whole counsel of what God has to say. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy, he says, All Scripture is God-breathed. And is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That all scripture, that all scripture is useful so that you will be thoroughly equipped to do God's will. That all scripture is relevant to your life because God has already spoken into it. That much of God's will for your life is already written in the Bible, and this is why we tell you around here, we want you to read it. Get a reading plan. Just start somewhere. Start reading one chapter a day. Just start somewhere so you can begin to discern God's will in your life because much of God's will is already written down in the Bible. So question number one, does it line up with the Bible? Question number two, does godly counsel agree? Does godly counsel agree? The way John Ortberg says it in his book is he says, everyone needs a door selection committee, that you need to find wise counsel in your life. If you want to discern God's will in your life, get around people whose character you trust, who have good judgment, who love you and want what's best for you, and tell them what's going on. Say, I have this decision I have to make. What do you think? What do you think God is saying to you? Very often, God speaks through the wisdom of other people. Solomon says it like this. He says, the way of fools seem right to them. Why is that? Because they're fools. One of the things that Solomon says is that that a fool is an individualist who does it all on their own. Because they think they know what's right all on their own. And here's the truth about us. Every one of us have a little bit of fool in us. I do and you do too. Where we can justify our behavior, where we can kind of just say, well, I'm just going to do it on my own. I know what's best. See, the way of a fool seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. Let me tell you what I do in my life. Before I pull a trigger, I want agreement. I'm looking for agreement in the godly people in my life who speak into my life. We have a group of elders here at the church. And our elders are the spiritual leaders who help guide and direct the church. And we meet together twice a month. And one of the things that we do together is we try to discern certain things about the direction of this church, about where we're going and where we're heading and what God might want next for us. And so sometimes I'll come into an elders meeting with some problem that we have to deal with, something that is going on that we need to discern. And because just the way I'm wired, I will think these things over and over and over and over again in my mind. And so I come in, and I think I've got the answer. So I say, you know, here's the problem. Now I've got the answer for you. There it is. And then the elders will begin to talk, and they will have a different opinion about the direction that we need to go. And I have learned over the years to listen to that because I believe that God speaks through the wisdom of his people. And I have chosen that I submit to that. Because God speaks through godly counsel. Solomon says this. He says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end, you'll be counted among the wise. Because as we listen to advice, sometimes there is hard teaching that comes through that. Sometimes there is hard sayings that people speak the truth in love to us. That we have to listen and accept that discipline that comes with it. And here's what a lot of people do. A lot of people do is that they just want to hear what they want to hear, and they'll keep talking to people until they get it. So many people try to seek advice until they find what they're seeking for. And so if this is you, maybe you talk to 47 people until you finally hear. It's like, that's what I was thinking all along. I mean, you had to talk to all of these people. Solomon, he calls that foolish. He says that's foolish because wisdom is the ability to seek and to surrender to advice. He says this. He says, he who walks with the wise grows wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Here's what's so interesting about this. Is wisdom and foolishness both happen in community. That wisdom and foolishness both happen in community. And we know this is true. Because the kind of person that you become is largely related to the type of people you hang out with. This is what I taught students when I was in student ministry. So I would say, show me your friends and I can tell you where your life is headed. You show me the people that you have in your life, and I can tell you how this is going to end up. Think back at some of the moments in your life. Some of the greatest moments in your life were when you had people who were people of character, who, who brought great wisdom into your life. Those were some of the greatest moments. And then think back to some of your biggest regrets. Maybe it's the weekend that you wished would have never happened, the night that you wished that you could erase. And my guess is there were some people around you that were not the wisest people, that you are deeply affected by the people that you choose to walk with. And if you want to discern God's will for your life, get around people whose character you trust, who have good judgment, who love you and want what's best for you, want God's best for you. This is why we want you to be in a group. This is why we want you to be part of a small group. We want you to spend time with other people studying the Bible with other people because we believe that life change happens best in those environments. Question number one, does it line up with the Bible? Question number two, does godly counsel agree? And question number three, do the circumstances point to an open door? What are the opportunities that are in front of you right now? Where are you in your life? Because Because I believe that, that the circumstances in your life will lead you to an open door. Here's what God usually does. God usually guides through your current opportunities. Which means that what you're doing right now, being faithful where God has you, is so important. Because God guides to new opportunities through your current circumstances. And when you look back at some of the stories of the Bible, you see this that God worked through a series of circumstances. Think about King David. King David started out as a shepherd, and there's an incident that happens in his life that most people just pass over. Maybe you didn't even know that it happened to him. We just overlook it. His responsibility was to take care of sheep, and taking care of sheep was such an unglamorous job that he was forgotten out at the fields. I mean, when Samuel came to David's dad and said, do you not have any other kids? He's like, well, well, yeah, I got one taking care of the sheep, but we completely forgot about him. Well, he's taking care of the sheep, and the sheep are attacked by a lion. Now, if you take your responsibility half-hearted, when the lion attacks one of the sheep, you go, bummer, we lost a sheep today. But when you take your responsibility seriously about where God has you, you react in a different way. And David went after the lion, he grabbed it by the hair, and he killed it. Now think about this. When was the last time you went after a lion? David was a teenager at this point. And he goes after a lion because that was just part of his responsibility. I mean, maybe it was a baby lion. I don't know. Maybe it's a full-grown lion. But David takes his responsibility that seriously. The same thing happens with a bear that he takes his responsibility where he is at that moment so seriously that he kills a lion and a bear to protect the sheep that he's supposed to be watching over. Well, then one day he goes to visit his brothers on the front line of battle. And Israel is lined up on one side of the valley, and on the other side of the valley are their enemies, the Philistines. And the Philistines sent out their champion by the name of Goliath. And Goliath is taunting the Israelites. He's saying, send out your champion. Send out your best man. It's a winner take all. And David's walking around going, why is nobody taking him on? Why is nobody fighting Goliath? And finally, David said, I'll do it. I've killed a lion. I've killed a bear. I'll kill a soldier. I'll go after him. But all of that lined up because of where David had been in his life, that he just walked through that next open door. He just took his responsibility seriously about the circumstances that were in his life that led to this. Henry Blackaby, in his great book, Experiencing God, if you want to read more about this, get that book. It is a fantastic book. He says, you need to find out where God is already at work and join him there. You see in your life, where's God already working, and then you join him. For me, when I was in high school, I was a leader in our student ministry. I helped teach at church, I taught our children's church, I became a leader um, among my peers in high school. And so I told you this story a few weeks ago that when I graduated from high school early, I went to college early, there was a church that called me to be their student ministry pastor. And I went to be their student ministry pastor when I was younger than some of the kids who were in my student ministry. But here's the reason that that happened. Because somebody knew that I was a leader in high school. They knew that I was a leader at my church. They said, you need to call Shane because I think he has the leadership gifts to be able to lead this little church. Because God works through those types of opportunities of these doors that he opens for us. And so here's the challenge for you. If you are in a situation where you would like to do something else... Instead of being focused exclusively on the something else, the question for you is what are you doing with your current opportunity in front of you? How are you being faithful in that? The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, Whatever you do, or you could also say wherever you are, because the Apostle Paul had just talked about all kinds of relationships. He talked about husband and wife relationships, he talked about parenting, and he talked about slavery. Talk about to the slaves and the masters because that was the reality of the first century. These are people who wanted to be out of their current situation. He says, whatever you do or wherever you are, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. You work at it with all your heart wherever you are because there's people in that situation at that time, they didn't want to be where they were. They wanted to be somewhere else. And Paul says, wherever you find yourself today, You just honor God right there. You work at it with all your heart, that God is looking for faithfulness. Question number one, does it line up with the Bible? Question number two, does godly counsel agree? Question number three is, do the circumstances point to an open door? And then question number four is, how is the Holy Spirit guiding? See, here's what makes Christianity unique from every other world religion. Is in Christianity, we don't just worship a God. That God lives in us. God lives in you, in me. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to certain people for a specific purpose. The Holy Spirit was given to Moses as he was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt. The Holy Spirit was given to King David to lead Israel. The Holy Spirit was given to Joshua for the purpose of leading them into the promised land. But after the resurrection, the Holy Spirit is given to all believers. And what happens when you become a Christian and when you're baptized, the the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit moves into your life to guide you. Jesus says this, he says, but when he, the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. It's what the Spirit does. He guides us into truth. This is not a guessing game, that the Holy Spirit is guiding us. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, and now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Paul says, I am compelled by the Spirit. That literally means bound He's saying, I am bound by the Spirit. He feels so led by the Holy Spirit, it's like being bound. There's no other option. That if you were a follower of Jesus, you have probably had this experience where you felt like, I don't know why, I just feel like I'm supposed to do that. I don't know why I feel like that. I just feel like God is leading me in that situation. You put yourself in a position to listen, and then God speaks. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with my wife, and while she was talking to me, um, I get up off the couch, and I go into the kitchen to get a snack, and so she's still talking. I'm still trying to listen, but I'm all distracted trying to get my ice cream, and so I'm trying to get my ice cream out, and she's still talking, and so I come back in, and I sit down, and I ask her something that she had just said when I was in the kitchen. She goes, I just said that two minutes ago, and I go, I think you're going to have to tell me again. Because she was still talking, but I was not in a place to hear her. If you want to discern God's will in your life, you need to put yourself in places where you hear God's voice. See, that's why this setting right here is so powerful. That's why so many of you come out of here and you go, I just feel like God was speaking to me. It's not because the Holy Spirit is more in work in this room than he is in your life It's just that we're more in tune to it. We're listening to Him. Because we have all the distractions aside and we're focused in on what God is doing. You put yourself in places where you can hear God speak, where you can hear God speaking into your life. One of my favorite verses is in Isaiah. It says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit saying, here's the open door, this is the way to walk, this is where you need to go, and I believe we discern the Holy Spirit through prayer and through peace, it's through being connected with God in prayer, getting all the distractions out, that we're learning to God, we're listening to God speaking to us, and it's through peace, because there are certain decisions that you go to, you go, I don't know if I should go through this door or not, and you don't have peace about it. That's when you just need to stop. Maybe God's trying to speak to me. Because many times the Holy Spirit speaks through peace, that you have a peace about this next season for your life. See, these four questions can change your life, they become a filter for discerning God's will. Does it line up with the Bible? Does godly counsel agree? Do the circumstances in my life right now, do they point to an open door? And how is the Holy Spirit guiding me? See, all of us want to know God's will for our life. You wouldn't be here if that weren't the case. But God's will is not a mystery. It is not some hidden truth that's just for a select few. God desires to speak into and to guide your life. I want you to look at this verse again in revelation our theme verse jesus says i know your deeds see i've placed before you an open door that no one can shut i know that you have little strength yet you've kept my word and have not denied my name see the truth is for some of you you're just tired you're tired in your relationship with god and you come to a door that just seems stuck, and you're going to force your way through it. You're just worn out. And here's where some of you are right now, that you're ready to move forward without God. You're ready to just shove some door open, whether God's with you or not. Some of you are on the verge of that right now, and you're worn out, and you're tired. You feel like you have little strength in your life. And God wants to speak into that. See, God's ultimate will is that you would become like Jesus. That you would be more like him. See, I would rather wait with God than to move ahead without God. So God made us be saying, I want you to wait. Because God can do more in the waiting of your life right now than he ever can in the open doors. So I want to pray with you, and maybe for you, your prayer is maybe there's something where you go, that's me. I need to begin to change this in my life. I need to be in the Word. I need to have some godly people in my life. I need to put myself in places where I can hear God's Spirit speaking to me, to be faithful in my circumstance I'm in right now. Some of you, it's to take that next step with Jesus. It's to finally make him the Lord of your life. To let him forgive your sins. Because when you do that, the Holy Spirit moves into you and births change. God, we thank you for being a God of open doors. God, and the truth is, there are some of us in here who are so tired. There are some people in here who are ready to move forward, even if it means going without you. God, and we want to stop. We want to wait on you. We want to wait on your hand in our life. So God, speak into us. Guide us. Help us to be obedient to the doors that you're opening and the doors that you're closing. And we pray this in Jesus' name.